Our reading this evening is from the sixth chapter of Matthew. When we step into the Sermon on the Mount, when folks of so many different backgrounds, of variety, shapes, sizes, colors, income levels, folks of all walks of life have come to hear Jesus, and Jesus is teaching them how to walk a distinct way of life that would be pleasing to God. He says this, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure, play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but (laughs) that's all they get when you help someone out. Don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly, unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can imagine. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So I have to tell you that I came home from our 12 o'clock Ash Wednesday service today, and I looked in the mirror at something that didn't look anywhere close to a cross on my forehead. It was a big old smudge of black ash that went from the top of my head down to the left corner of my eyebrow, and then a big old blob of dirt right above my right eyebrow. I had marked the cross on my forehead myself, and well, I guess that's a little harder than I expected sort of like writing upside down. I will admit that um, Stacy Schaefer came up during the service while I was marking others with the Ashen Cross, and she asked if I'd like for her to mark me. No, 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 no. I said, I can do it. Well, I, obviously, I should have let her. Truth be told, Stacy would have done a fine job. She is our children's minister, after all, and I've learned to appreciate how much of a perfectionist she is. Had she been in charge, I don't know, she probably would have made a template with a cross cut out in the middle of it, make a perfect cross on your forehead. I don't know, she'd probably give you a choice of colors, maybe some glitter and some sequins, I don't know. How about next year, Stacy? we'll work on that. Or maybe not. It's interesting, I think, how often we mark ourselves to show a certain identity. Tattoos, the obvious example, uh, popular nowadays, of course, but that's nothing new. Ancient Egyptians are particularly famous for turning tattoos into an art form. Hindu women have worn bindi dots on their foreheads for over 3,000 years. In the third and fourth centuries, the practice took off like wildfire in places like Japan and New Zealand, where tattoos became elaborate art. In Africa, of course, as you well know, tribes marked their bodies. But did you know that it was to ward off evil spirits and even, they believed, to cure disease 
Cherokee Indians used tattoos to mark their tribal identity. Now, this isn't a sermon about tattoos, of course, and certainly tattoos are not the only form of marking someone. In ancient Israel, as we should all know, Abraham was told to circumcise males as a form of tribal identity. In the book of Genesis, after Cain had killed his brother Abel, we're told that God cast him into the wilderness and placed a mark on his forehead so that he would be protected from harm. Marks. Marks can also tell a negative part of our story. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, as you might remember, writes of a scarlet letter that was burned onto one's skin or sewn into their clothing, a mark that represented a notorious crime. Alex Haley, of course, writes about the mark of a branding iron that slave owners would burn into the arms of their slaves. Such brutal history. No doubt, a mark can be very, very ugly. So, what of this mark uh, that you will receive in a few moments? What, what about it? This ashen cross that the church has used as its ritual on a, on, on a day we call Ash Wednesday for nearly a thousand years. You know, it's interesting that its origins stretch all the way back to Adam and Eve. Maybe you know the story, uh, perhaps, of a man and a woman who were learning to love and trust God and, and each other. But when God told them not to eat that forbidden fruit, you remember, the, what we think of as the apple on the tree? Well, of course they did, and, and uh, instead, in so doing, chose to trust themselves, trusted, tr- chose to trust the serpent chose to trust their own pride. Now, God was disappointed. We know that. We know the rest of the story, but also that He held them accountable. When He found them later that evening, He reminded them that you are dust. And then He added, and to dust you shall return. Chilling, isn't it? Dust for them became a sign of their sin. It became a sign of their mortality. Which is why, in some respects, tonight's mark is pretty unattractive. Even on the prettiest little kid, the most newborn of babies, even on the forehead of a, I don't know, a Hollywood icon, or even on my own brow, that smudge, it ain't very pretty. But come on, let's be honest, neither is sin and neither is death. And that's the point, I suppose. This cross will be a reminder, won't it, that we are flawed and we are deeply in need of a a Savior. But it's more than that, of course. After you sit down tonight, after you've received your cross on your forehead and you are sitting down, I I want you to look around and, and I want you to notice something that's incredibly obvious. We're all in the same boat. No matter who we are or where we come from, rich or poor, famous or not, slave or free, woman or man, man, like the folks who had shown up to listen to Jesus that day at the Sermon on the Mount, regardless of who you are, and certainly folks from lots of different backgrounds and places, regardless of your age or sex or rank or talent, none of us will make it through life without a smudge on our brow, none of us, because we're all in the same boat, like it or not sinful and unclean. And yet, your mark, as it turns out, is, is not like a scarlet letter. It, it's, 
It's, it's not just a mark of dirty ash. It's also the mark of a cross, which is a remarkably profound way of saying that God will take the ugliness of your life and transform it by the beauty of God's grace. I mean, isn't it good to know that the mark on your forehead tonight isn't just an ugly smudge of ashes? I mean, it's the mark of a cross, a beautiful cross, which is a reminder, as the song goes, that God makes beautiful things out of dust and beautiful things out of us. So I have a question for you tonight. What will you do with your cross? I mean, you could go home and wash it off your forehead as quickly as possible. I, I have to admit, I remember doing that as, as a kid, worried what my neighborhood friends might think. <laughs> you, could, you could forget about it and wake up tomorrow with a smudge of ash on your pillowcase. I bet a lot of you will do that. <laughs> you could take a selfie and post it to Facebook. For some, a strong witness to your faith, good for you. For others, maybe just for show. What will you do. There's a scene in the 1987 movie Moonstruck where Cher goes to confession and she tells the priest that she has slept with her fiancé's brother. The priest says, ooh, that's a pretty big sin. Cher winces and says, yeah, I know. The priest then says with great seriousness, reflect on your life. And that's pretty good advice, I think, especially on a day like today especially as we begin the season of Lent. What if this mark on Ash Wednesday marks you for the beginning of something? It marks you for the beginning of a season in which you willingly and very deliberately spend time in deep and honest reflection, to daily acknowledge your sin, to step away from your pride, to seek God's forgiveness, to think very carefully about what's next. I mean, to consider what you're going to do between the time that you get these ashes smudged on your forehead and when you actually become them. I mean, that's why historically Lent has been a season of our church year when Christians were invited into the disciplines of faith. Look, that's just a fancy way of inviting folks to use these 40 days as a day of recommitting to prayer and worship and service, not not for the sake of show, not for the sake of appearances, but for the sake of embracing an authentic faith that takes seriously our deep need for God and our deep need for one another, that takes seriously our deep need to confess, our deep need to clean the junk out of our heads, to clean the trash out of our hearts. Quite honestly, our deep need to start all over again. I mean, let's be honest. We spend a lot of time feeding our bodies. Lent is a great time to feed our spirits. Through it all, though, please do this. Remember, remember that we belong to Christ. And the ashes on your forehead testify to that very truth. They say, beautifully, I think, they say, I am claimed by God for more than just this moment in time. Far beyond the grass that fades or the leaves that fall, I am claimed just as I am.
for all of eternity. And to that, all we can say is amen.